0: From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
1: everybody, good to have your company again. We're kicking off the week the 3rd of July with a look back. Of course we have to look back, a weekend in review. Really keen to hear what you enjoyed over the weekend. Um, Lots of news items, lots and lots of news items. Vern Cotter, as we just heard in Aroha's news, confirmed as the Blues head coach alongside Jason O'Halloran. I'd imagine Tana Umanga will still be involved there. Very well travelled, Vern Cotter. I think he started his time as Bayer Plenty coach. I think he had a stint with Robbie Deans? Someone at the Crusaders as an assistant coach there, but really made his mark with Clermont. Um, He coached them for over a decade, taking them to their first ever title in the French Top 14. Coached Scotland for three years alongside Jason O'Halloran. So very well credentialed, very, very experienced. They've resisted the temptation to bring in uh, some new, young, fresh Coaching, Um, they've gone for the experienced head. Um, And why not? Really keen to hear from the Blues fans if you're happy with that. Um, That's, what's that? (laughs) Uh, Robbie just said something over here. I don't know whether it was a burp or a word. Um, We've also got the cricket. 2-0 Australia. Um, I don't think it's as bad as the underarm. With the, with the dismissal with Johnny Bestow. I, I think that was going to be the big news story, but the big, big news story was when the Australians are walking through the long room, as I just mentioned, a Smithy getting roundly booed and jeered. Usman Kawaja stopping off to say something to one of the silver-haired members. Uh, David Warner stood along, so, uh, followed him in as well, and the chance, same old Aussies, always cheating, went up. Remarkable. Ben Stokes saying he wouldn't have claimed that wicket. Brenna McCullum saying, it's not the spirit of cricket. Now we've got to go and win three test matches, and that's where our focus is. It was remarkable. There was always going to be stories coming out of this Ashes over in England, wasn't there? Uh, 20 years since Australia have done what they look like they're on the brink of doing, being 2-0 up. Um, fascinating stuff. Tour de France got underway. Um I love it I eh? I just I love it Corbin Strong the young kiwi got 15th in stage 1 he basically there was a breakaway of the Yates brothers uh, Adam and Simon and then there was a slight gap to how many is that 12 uh, 12 riders Uh, and then uh, about a gap of about another 20 seconds, and Corbin Strong won that sprint of the main peloton, which was just fantastic in his first Tour de France. So um, we will keep our eye on that, as you know. I absolutely love uh, the Tour de France. Uh, Wimbledon's about to get underway, so we're going to talk to Brett Phillips about what we've got to look forward to. Pretty disappointed that Nick Nick Curios has pulled out. Actually, always watch his matches. He's pulled out. Day one, we've got Venus Williams, age 43, on day one, so she'll be taken to the court tonight, as will Novak Djokovic. Uh, he's won the last four Wimbledons. Um, he's won seven in total, looking to make it eight, which will tie the great Roger Federer with Wimbledon tie. Gosh, if if you went back 20 years, how many different winners of the men's Wimbledon? There's probably four. There's probably only four in 20 years, because I think um, Andy Murray won one. Um Novak's won lots, Rogers won lots, and I'd imagine
2: Rafa's won one as well, at least one. Uh, Robbie with the uh, Intel? Robbie with the Intel. Uh, you said 20 years, Leighton Hewitt, uh, well that's Australian Open, let's go, um, oh no that is Wimbledon, but yeah Leighton Hewitt, 2002. Wow. Right, So, um, but yeah, other, other than that, bang on, uh, Federer then won 2003 to 2007, five in a row, um, couple for Nadal, uh, couple for Murray 2013 2016 then yeah Djokovic all the rest 11 14 15 18 19 21 22 20 <laughs> due to covid incredible incredible
1: so give us a yell 0800 150 811. i can see smithy got a lot of texts about um, about what's going on over in england with the cricket so give us a yell, 0800 150 811, or you're welcome to text double eight double three Ken, straight off the bat, uh, the big blues man, Staffy. Fabulous to have Vern and Jason at the Blues, and most likely Schmidt will be involved also. That would be a great get. Sounds like Tana and Tom will be moved on. It will be the strongest combination in New Zealand next season and have already signed some good talent, the Blues. Dynasty will start once again. <laughs> Ken, I feel like you've said that all year. I feel, I feel like you've said that all year. I love your commitment to the cause. Um, 20 years since the title. I would like the Blues to do well. I mean, they they have been going well without winning titles, let's be honest. Um, another text from Dan saying, Besto was a bit quick off the mark. Umps had to give him out, but the Aussies had the choice to bring him back. The pressure of winning is enormous. It really is. It really is. And I know by the book, I don't think anyone's saying um, by the book it wasn't out. By the book, it was out. Let's have a chat to Dean and Dunedin and see what he's been up to in the weekend. G'day, Dino. Yes, yeah, Steph, how are you getting on? Good, thanks. Are you
3: are you quite happy with this gig you've got here at SN Sport? I'm all right, yeah. Because I reckon they might be looking for someone at the TAB paring out the Warriors' top eight already. Have you looked at the run home? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I have. And I thought, ooh... Sorry. They're in eighth they're now. They're going to want
3: someone with a. They're going to want someone with a bit of experience in there that's not going to make these sort of blunders. Like they got five home games, two definite wins, and a bye, but they got. I think they got five teams in the eight, and they got the Cowboys. Well, the, the Cowboys are getting stronger and stronger. And for me, what a group of us watched that game on um, Friday night. I don't think we're watching anymore, but um, you get a crowd like that, and conditions like that and you play the way they did. And then the coach goes on TV and says, we tried to go round them. Well, surely at half-time you can address that, but I don't know. I mean, I wasn't at all impressed with what I was watching.
1: They've played two games in those kind of conditions and lost both, and both of them, the other one was the Roosters from memory, and, yeah, they haven't adapted to those sorts of conditions. They run home uh, next week. They go to Sydney and play the Eels. That's not easy. Then they host the Sharks. They're in good nick. Raiders are in good nick. And then we go Titans, Wests, Manly, Dragons, Dolphins. We probably only need to win half of them, Dino, to get into the top eight. But, yeah, they, they might have they shot the gun a bit early, the tab. I
3: think they've got a buy in there, too. I, I looked at a week. They don't have a game. They probably get two points. I don't know how that works. So I think they get maybe two points. So yeah, I they do. I think winning two. Two and a boy. I don't know. If that'll get. I think I'll get them nice, convincingly.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: I, don't,
3: I don't know, mate. But on the cricket, on the cricket, I uh, I got up and watched that, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like the rules are the rules, I guess. But there's a bit of, well, I don't know. They, they use the word etiquette, don't they, in cricket? But then when you got that uh, convict blood runs through your brain, you you're just like winning. And I sort of. As much as I felt a bit sorry for Besto and Stokes, to be honest, because, that man, that boy can dig deep, can't he? But how come the rest of their bowlers, they might as well put a broom in their hand. Like, they had no idea. I, I don't know much about cricket, but I love watching it. But our tail enders at least can get them behind the ball. and I don't know. Like it, The last three wickets, it was, they were terrible. Absolutely terrible.
5: Yeah,
1: it's interesting. I saw someone put up the coverage of the BSTO, what is it called? It's a run out. It's not a stumping. And um, then there was the quote from Brendan McCullum saying it's not the spirit of cricket. Then they followed it with a video of when he was keeping to Kyle Mills. It was almost exactly the same. The guy tried to play a sort of a ramp shot over third man, missed it. McCullum underarmed, wicket, they all appealed, guy given out. No. I went, oh, <laughs> yes. yes.
6: Oh, look,
3: I love it. I mean, to be fair, Brendan and... Daniel sitting there with the Australians, it sort of it irks, but it doesn't either. You know, the money they've got, they've got a golden opportunity to travel the world, set themselves up for the rest of their lives, and, and they're doing what they love, you know. So Brendan's a competitor, mate. Like, it's just how it is. Like, if the opportunity's there, like Bisto, he he's played enough cricket just to ground your bat, then walk out. Mm. But he didn't ground his bat. So he wasn't going for a run. I know you're supposed to be sort of going for a run, but. Yeah, at least the um, keeper was watching, and you've got to sort of give him credit for that. And I listened to Smithy about that catch. I didn't under, I didn't realise that, to be fair. I thought that was a great catch, but he's probably got a fair point. Like he, he saved his rotor cuff, probably, if he had to try to roll over and keep the ball off the ground. So when you're a bowler, I guess you've got to do something so you can finish the game off. But as Smithy said, the ball made contact with the ground whilst it was in his hand, so... Did he have control to the ground help him? You're not allowed to, so it's a simple decision. I'm not going to argue with that man. Mm. He played the game, so it's what it is. But I was wrapped. Ben Stokes, just a fighter, mate. Like We could sort of do with him an air mob, but at the end of the day, he's the same. He's making an incredible coin, just like the rugby players are going to do. So that is what it is, isn't it, really?
1: It is. It is, Dino. Well done. Thanks for calling, bud.
3: No worries, mate. Have a good day.
1: You too. You too. Uh, Life member Zade is on the line. G'day, Zade.
6: Good afternoon, staff.
1: Afternoon, champion. Uh, uh, Good. Oh, no. It's the Monday dodgy line. It's the Monday dodgy line, Zade, where you go all trickly and you, you say you're in the forest. Dropped off. Dropped off. He'll call back. Let's go to Northland and talk to Paul. G'day, Paul. G'day,
7: Steph. I hey, think um, you know, I mentioned the convicts. But where, did, where did the convicts come
1: from? <laughs> That's a bloody good point. Where, yeah. where uh, they originated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
7: right. That's right. They all came from, uh, from England. But, um, yeah, the Warriors game, um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. We got taught a lesson in wet uh, weather football. Um, I thought Sean Johnson... Continuous kicking to Alex Johnson, um, that's, that's fair enough. But when, when the guys aren't contesting it, you know, you need to contest those balls all the time and, you know, it becomes 50 50. But basically, he handed it to Alex Johnson on a plate. Mm. And, um, yeah, there were so many things that, uh, that we could have done better. But um, hey, all, all is not lost, mate.
1: Yeah, our shape looks not as well-oiled as in previous weeks. And and I took a point that Tony Kemp made last week saying Sean Johnson will miss Marata Ni on that edge. Um, and it will affect not just having someone next to you, but the whole pattern of the game. And I think that came out true.
7: Yeah, it did. Uh, funnily enough, we actually caught up with Kempi at the game. Um, um, l- luckily for him, he's, he was sitting in a box and I was down... <laughs> Down by the sideline, mate, getting uh, getting soaked. But um, hey, that, that, that's what you do when you when you're a fan of your team, mate. Um, but yeah, just such such an unfortunate game to lose because then it was sold out crowd. But most of the people stuck stuck around, and um, um yeah. So uh, we've got the Eels next. And, um, you know, we 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 can get over them, and we do have a bye coming up. We've got the Eels, and I think the Raiders who were beaten, and the Sharks who were beaten. So. Um, as long as we, you know, as long as we get three, three out of the next four, or two out of the next four, plus the bye, I think I think we'll be okay, mate, for the finals.
1: Yeah, I I think we'll be okay for the eight as well. I really do, especially with the bye in there. Um, Wests, uh, Dolphins, St George. Yeah. Mm. All right, mate. Yep. Good on you, Paul. Um,
7: yeah. Oh, just a quick one, mate. Yep. Yeah, I, I did. I, I ran into uh, Tamari Martin, and he, he said that he was six weeks away. Jesavunga is, uh, I think, a week away, and I told him to hurry up. But um, you know, we, we, we've got those players coming back, so um, but, but those are good signs, you know. And, and going into the finals, if we can have all those players available and vying for spots, mate, no, that'll put us in, you know, in, in good stead. So, yeah.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. Get the, all the boys back. Good on you, Paul. Enjoy yeah, your day up there, mate. Thanks, Cheers, yes, boy. Mate. Um, right, we'll try line two, uh, second time round with the Life Member Zaid. Have you moved room, Zaid?
6: Hello, can you hear me? Oh, Crystal. I was saying, um, great to see that um Vern Cot has been finally announced as the um new Blues coach. hmm Um, so yeah, um obviously you're saying I I and I've heard before he seems pretty experienced obviously coach Scotland and Fiji so um you know that's pretty good and um yeah hopefully he can win a title with the Blues in the next few years maybe um (laughs)
1: Uh. you're saying maybe for two years you've been saying definitely it's the first time I've heard you say maybe Zade
6: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, there was a good fight in the UFC yesterday. Old mate Sean Strickland, he runs his mouth, but he got a pretty good uh, finish in the UFC yesterday. Um, second round knockout. Um, the NRL, um, I mean, the Warriors didn't play well, but I'm happy we, we didn't get absolutely flogged like the um, Tigers did, 74-0. Oh, I know. Or the um, Bulldogs was 66-0. They were No, so there was an absolute... Good. There were some hammerings um, this weekend. It was uh, kind of back to some of the old um, NRL games of those absolute um, hammerings. But I just want to say it: um, the Broncos game, Dolphins. What is that Sal and cover made of? Oh my god! That second half, he just turned it on.
1: <laughs> He's incredible. He's the, the size of closer. a second rower, speed of a winger.
6: Yeah, he just he just put that kick through and just chased it and scored a mean try.
1: Yeah, yeah, he and was the, awesome.
6: Um, good crowd there at the um, Gabba.
1: Yeah. Now you're doing your research for Friday when you come into studio live. Yeah, yeah. Good boy. I can't wait. I can't wait. Zayd's going to come in and preview the UFC biggest UFC card of the year. He's coming in live Thank on you. Friday. All right, buddy. We'll take care. Yeah. See you, mate. Uh, we'll take a quick break down from Aussie. He's on hold. We'll have him, and you can join him as well after the break. 0800 Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We head over to Aussie now. Talk to Darren. G'day, Darren.
4: Hi, Steffi. How was your weekend?
1: It was rainy and wet, and uh, it was madness Friday night at the petrol stations because the tax relief oh, of came course. off, yep. and everyone was filling up on Friday. And then, um, yeah, it was tumbleweed in all the service stations on Saturday. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, it's, it's always the way. Yeah. So, um, I, saw a, I read a sneaky article on Saturday. I read it today, but it came out on Saturday really under the radar that Sanzar and Six Nations have got together and they're going to do a tournament, a combined tournament with the 10 teams and invite two more starting in 2026.
1: Yes, I read that as well, and I was trying to find out what the nuts nuts and bolts of it was, but it was all... I, I couldn't figure out what form it took, and the only thing that I feel for is the likes of Samoa, Tonga, Georgia, those sorts of teams that probably aren't going to get in because it's probably going to be Japan um, and, one o- and Fiji by the looks of the early conversations.
4: They did say in this article that 2030, they're going to have a, a second tier, they're going to promotion and relegation.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I quite like that. That's, so that's a long way off. Yeah, that is a
5: long
4: but way a long, off. Yeah, it is a long way. But at least there's something there for them. So. Yeah. Um, what, a, what a great tournament that'll
1: be. Oh, that'll be fantastic. I don't know what they're going to call it, but, um, yeah, it's so it's going to go, it's when the Lions aren't playing as well, so I'm not yeah, so sure. Yes, it'll be the
4: even years. It's
1: every two years okay, after the World Cup. So it'll go World yeah. Cup something. So it'll just, be like
4: 2028 and then 2030.
1: Right, so every two years in, interspersed with World Cups and then one of the other odd numbers will be a Lions Tour and then the other one will just be something else. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, that'll eh? be uh,
4: that'll that'll be bloody amazing. Mm. So and, and and it means that Italy can probably beat someone, so that's good. Because <laughs> I feel for them in the Six Nations, they just get pummeled every year. So. Oh,
1: I know. They beat Aussie last year, eh? Yeah, I
4: think they beat. Yeah, the yeah I did see. And uh, yeah, well, they, I think they hadn't won a match in like four years or something. It was something silly. Mm-hmm. So so um and then the promotion and relegation, I mean when that comes in that'll be that'll be awesome. So I just found it weird how they just snuck this little article in and We've all been wanting it, and I thought they would have made more of a big deal about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember in my uh, very famous talk in the car park with Mark Robinson uh, quite some time ago, um, about 10 weeks ago, when he said to come and have a chat to me three weeks later, it hadn't happened. But he did say there was some big announcement around June, July coming around the international calendar. So I guess this was what he was talking about.
4: Yeah, I just I just thought they'd make more of it. <laughs> yeah. To me, it was sort of like it was sort of like, oh yeah, we're doing this, but no one wants to know about it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we do. Yeah, I don't think they've got enough details to go um, from the top of a building blowing trumpets yet, because I couldn't quite understand what the format is, where it is, is it pools, is it all of this? So, yeah, we'll get someone on soon to talk about the developments of that and what it's going to look like. Because yeah, you're right, every every two years after the World Cup, we're going to have that. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah.
4: And um, what, what your thoughts on the latest all-black top, the Rugby World Cup top with the collar?
1: Look, um, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I don't like it. Yep. Mm. Okay.
4: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know because mine arrives today. Oh, you've ordered <laughs> okay. one. Mate, I've, I've got one since '03. Have Sorry, you I've got Every Every World Cup, I've got about 14 all-black tops. So
1: God bless I've you. even
4: got a good... Cool, I've got a glam, Grand Slam one, when they won the Grand Slam about 15 years ago. All wow. embroidered. It's my favourite, but uh, I don't I don't wear it much because it's too good. <laughs> but, uh,
1: All right. Like well, my
4: 07, 07 World Cup one, it's hardly been worn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only wore it for about five games.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you give us a yell and tell us what it looks like, like for real, because I've only seen photos of it.
4: Yeah, I'm a bit nervous, but anyway, we'll
1: see. Can't Fine. break with tradition. Right. thanks, mate. Good on you, bud. Yes. Cheers, bye. See you, mate. On van Gisbergen watch, he's dropped all the way back to 14th. They're under yellow at the moment, and I think there's a lot of cars going into the pits. Um, he may have I, – I, I stopped watching for a little while, but currently sitting in 14th fourteenth place, and they've shortened it from 100 laps to 75. They are on lap 50 at the moment. Under yellow. Uh They've been going an hour 50. So they've probably got another, I think a lapse about 90 seconds. About 90 seconds. So 25, they've probably got just over half an hour to go. So we'll keep a, a watching eye on that. But Shane Van Gisbergen at the moment sits in 14th and they are under yellow. But there's cars passing them. I don't get it when they're under yellow. Oh no, they're not dry roads now though because they've had a lot of flooding recently as well in Chicago. Um, we will take a break. On the other side of this, Hamish Kerr just picked up a win um, in the latest Diamond League event which is just brilliant. Uh, $10,000 US if you don't mind and very much well earned, uh, much needed points to try and make their way to the Prefontaine Classic in Eugene which is the final of the Diamond League events and the winner of ...of the final get 30,000 US. But it's all about qualification heights... Um, ...building into form... ...and the world champs aren't too far away. So after New Sport and Weather with Johnny Mack... ...we'll have Hamish Kerr, New Zealand High Jumper. It was good night for track and field athletics... ...New Zealand. Well, good weekend really... ...with some of our best going the best... ...and picking up gongs over the weekend. One of them joins us late... ...late from Stockholm... ...winning the Diamond League High Jump. A good friend of the show... Mr. Kerr, well done, sir. Thank you
8: very much, Steffi. It's great to be on. But, yeah, it was a awesome night.
1: Awesome night. 2.24. You seem to be building nicely. I'm seven centimetres off your best, but you've been improving the last few weeks slash months.
8: Yeah. No, I definitely have. Um I'm going to be honest. That's probably the worst conditions um, of a meet I've ever been in, um, New Zealand included. Oh well. Wow. So, yeah. So to actually, like, in, on reflection, to be jumping that high um, on paper is not great, but but given the conditions, it's actually pretty exciting. And I think that there's a lot more to come.
1: So tell us about those conditions, and then how you go about blocking it out.
8: Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty much sheeting rain the entire time. Um, which which never really helps, especially when we have to land on a high jump mat, which is essentially just a big sponge uh, every jump. So, you know, there was a lot of uniform changes and, and, and getting the towels out and trying to trying to make sure we were staying as, as dry as possible. But, um, yeah, it just changes your timing and it, and it just sort of starts making you sort of second-guess everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, as Kiwis, I think we're pretty used to it. Um, obviously, I do a lot of training outside and in bad weather, which a lot of the European guys evidently don't do and so yeah i was just able to be the best on the day which was cool
1: so does it become when the elements are there it becomes more a mental thing than a physical thing
8: yeah definitely i mean i think yeah i mean high jump i i think i've you know i've I've spoken to you a number of times is it's it's you know it's a massive mental challenge um you know obviously there's the, the physical side to it but when it actually comes down to the day the the mental side definitely takes over, and it's and it's all about sort of trying to unlock that. And so, you know, if you've got all these negative thoughts in your head around, you know, it's bad weather, it's not optimum, I can't jump really high in these conditions, then then it's only ever going to sort of set you up for failure. So, yeah, it was just a matter of trying to block that out as much as possible and just focus on all the positives.
1: So, given good weather conditions, it's probably hard figure to put on it, but how many centimetres do you feel bad conditions can cost you?
6: Um.
8: Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, it could be 10 to 15, it could be five. Um, and it's, it sort of differs between different people, but I think for me, the form that I'm in at the moment, um, we've been doing some really good sessions and training and um, it's all kind of starting to, to really tick along nicely with Budapest sort of um, looming in about six weeks, which is obviously our world champs. So yeah, look, I think that on a, on a hot day, um, I'd like to say I'd still probably be in the same situation in terms of winning the, the whole comp. But at the same time, I think the height would have been much, much higher.
1: So the Diamond League, it was Stockholm leg. Um, I think there's 10 or 12 Diamond League days, but they don't all have every discipline. How many have you in and how many... Are left to go for you because I guess the big carrot is qualifying for the finals in Eugene at the um, Prefontaine, uh, thirty grand up for grabs if you can win at the Prefontaine. So, how do you balance your target?
8: Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's so there's obviously a number of meetings over the year. Uh, High jump is in off the top of my head about six of them. And then there's the final on top of that. And so I've done, this is my second month of the year. Uh, I missed the first one just because it was quite early. Uh, that was in Doha. And then I came fourth in Florence, obviously won this one. And then I've got Silesia um, in Poland in two weeks' time, London a week after that, and then Zurich, which is a week after World Champs. But look, I think the thing is, obviously, it's it's super important to try and qualify for that final, but... At the same time, they're, they're amazing competitions to be sort of using as warm-up comps for world champs because obviously all the top guys are here. So if I'm if I'm getting as much competition under my belt with all those guys there, then that really helps me. So, yeah, it's kind of two birds with one, sp- one stone, I suppose. Jumping well here gives me the confidence going to Worlds and gives me good points knowing that it's looking more and more likely that I will be in Eugene for that Diamond League final.
1: And, and you can't really... Um you can't really gift wrap it any better to say, like, the money is important, Hamish, because you've got to keep going. And being in New Zealand, you guys don't get the big uh, endorsement deals that the Americans and the Europeans do. Um, And (laughs) so it actually is an important component so you can keep going, isn't it?
8: Oh, 100%. I mean, look, I mean, we all need money, don't we? It's, it's, It's sort of the thing that makes the world go around. But, I mean, it's also awesome, like, I think that, you know, as my world ranking has grown, um, there has been sort of more interest and, and it's it's also meant that there's more options. I mean, I obviously have to spend five months overseas a year, but I mean, nowadays with with this, the funding that I get from High Performance and, and uh, my sponsor, Puma, uh, and, you know, and doing well in these kinds of these meets, it means that there's more options for me. I mean, my girlfriend's over here for two months, um, helping me and supporting me at the same time, which, which is just, you know, it's massive um, in terms of kind of the emotional impact that, all that travel has. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things that it never really gets any easier. But, you know, as you as you do well and as you start earning a bit more, it definitely opens up uh, more opportunities to, to kind of further increase the the, um, the potential to jump really well.
1: And you can afford you the chance to go to a nice restaurant rather than a, a caravan on the side of the road for, for a post competition dinner beer. <laughs>
9: <laughs> exactly,
8: and sometimes a double, not just a single bed, which is which is quite helpful with my height.
1: <laughs> Are you cut out for the? Do you like the travel part of it? Take away the competing, you know, different country every week. Um, you've got the, yeah. you've got the competition looming, uh, looming. You'll be you'll be on a countdown. You still have to maintain your fitness and your rest and all that sort of stuff. But from what I see when following you on Instagram you still embrace a lot of the the local sights and sounds as well
8: oh yeah mate I mean look like I used to hate it um and I used to hate being away from home it was just like I was a real homeboy growing up like a, you know I I literally was the kid who cried in school camp because because I was away from my mum and and all the rest of it so I think the first few years were pretty tough but I kind of just kind of you know I sort of sat myself down one day and I was like look mate like whether you like it or not, this is going to be you for the next few years. Um, and, you know, if you don't want to do the jumping, then like, you know, if you, if you don't want to do travel, then, then you're not going to be able to do the jumping and the jumping's the thing you love. And so i sort of just embraced it much more. And like, honestly, I love it now. I mean, I, I get it when I'm home for more than two weeks at a time, if I'm going to be honest, but it's, it's pretty hard to sort of go home and, and sort of adjust to the life again. But um, no, I've been to some amazing places and I'm, I'm sort of super grateful that, now I've got some real solid mates on tour as well who who I sort of, it almost feels like I'm coming home a wee bit when I'm getting back on the road and, and seeing all those guys. So it's, it's really good.
1: Yeah, we've often seen the camaraderie with Tom Walsh and the other shot putters. Does that sort of community hold within the high jumpers or have you got travelling mates apart from high jumpers?
8: Oh, I mean, we've got a bit of both. Like, I think uh, the the high jump community is probably a little bit more multicultural than the old uh, the old... Shop at American Boys, uh, which which probably has a few more complications. I mean, half the guys I, I actually compete with don't really speak very good English, but um, you know I've got some really good guys there who who I'm I'm really solid mates with, and um, and probably my main uh, mate. He's actually uh, a British guy. He's not even competing at the moment. Um, he's injured, but he's a high jumper, um, and I'm going to go see him next week, which will be super cool. But I think probably one of the things which is which is super amazing, and I mean a lot of New Zealand will probably be aware of it, but. I mean, this this weekend we had six people from New Zealand um, compete in Diamond Leagues, which it has to be some sort of record. I mean, we've never had more than probably four people even in a whole season compete in Diamond league, let alone six in one weekend. So, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's great that I've got the guys in the high jump, but at the same time, I mean, I'm going to miss now and there's Kiwis there. And that's something that, you know, go back two, three, four years, it just wasn't a thing. I mean, we'd have to hang up the Aussies. So you know to have Kiwis there and to have people who are sort of similar to home and you know you can exchange stories and and sort of speak the same language as it's just massive for our performance and, and something that's super cool that you know it will continue that way and hopefully we can add a few more names to that list as well as we get into it.
1: Yeah, mention it. it was it was good for the Kiwis. Tommy Walsh finished second. Um, Zoe had a win in her race. Uh, personal best, New Zealand record once again. And Geordie Beamish was competing at the same event as you, ran a personal best in the 3,000-metre steeple. Do, do the Kiwis, do you, you park up and have a look at his event or does he look at your event? Does does the Kiwi uh, patriotism <coughs> flow through even at these far-flung events when you're competing for yourself?
8: Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, I, I unfortunately didn't stick around for his race because I was actually, I was just sodden and I wanted to go home and just... <laughs> Get into the shower, but we're actually rooming together this weekend. So, um, so yeah, we've we've been having some real good catch ups, and Geordie's um, a good mate of mine. So it's it's been great seeing him, um, you know, do well. And he's obviously changed events at the moment. So it's, I think it's still probably up in the air as to which event he really, can, you know, he focuses on. But his his steeple chase tonight sort of proved that he's doing pretty well. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 just awesome to be able to come to meets and and just support all the Kiwis and, and, and really sort of take an interest in their careers.
1: Everyone loves to know about uh, pre-match rituals, pre-match food, pre-match music. <laughs> I'm going post-match. After you've had a win, what's the, what's the post-match ritual?
8: <laughs> well, it depends how well or how bad we do. <laughs> That's sort of the big thing. Um, no, it's something that I've sort of, I've actually tried to push a little bit harder this year. Um, I think that you know, obviously, you come off the field and you're you're exhausted. I mean, most high jumpers don't really eat much, kind of in the twenty four hours leading up to an event, just to try and save a bit of weight. So usually, the first thing is food. Um, but you know, I was I was in Florence a couple of weekends ago, and and probably the the last thing I wanted to do was go out. Um, but you know, there was a good group of people going out, and we actually just jumped on some e-bikes and shot around the city, and you know, we caught the Michelangelo statue and and various other sort of famous landmarks at about four in the morning. So um, that was pretty surreal. So I think, yeah, I think it's it's probably the only time we actually get to, to really experience the cities that we are competing in. Um, and so I try and make the most of that for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, like usually we're back on the horse the next day. So we need to make sure we're not doing, um, you know, anything too silly. Mm.
1: Well, Hamish, brilliant of you to join us uh, all the way over there in Stockholm in the middle of the night once again. But huge congrats on... A win in the Diamond League, more points for you, Gene, which is very, very important. But I guess more importantly, you're building nicely to the Worlds, which isn't that far away. But it'll be upon us in no time, eh?
8: Yep. blinking, and it'll be done, mate. It's always the way, isn't it?
1: Mm, it sure is. Thanks heaps, buddy. <laughs> we'll stay in touch. All right. Thanks heaps, mate. Cheers. After being under yellow for the best part of nine or ten laps, so back under green, Shane Van in eighth place. At the moment, someone's saying if it's such a big um, UFC card, how many Kiwis are in it? Well, it is a big UFC card. Alex Volkanovski and Yo Rodriguez they are they are the main event, and then there's Moreno Pantoja. Robert Whitaker returns to the ring. Dan Hooker returns not the ring, the octagon. Um, Robbie Lawler's on the uh, on the preliminary card as well. It is a big, big event of UFC coming up this Sunday, isn't it? This Sunday. Um, Staffy, it's fabulous to have Vern and Jason at the Blues and most likely Schmidt will be involved also. Sounds like Tana and Tom will be moved on. It will be the strongest combination in New Zealand next season and have already signed some good talent. The Blues dynasty will start once again. Oh, I think I read that one. I've just got to the end of it. Biesto was a bit quick off the mark. Umps had to give him out because the Aussies had the choice to bring him back. The pressure of winning is... Enormous, Steffi, long-time Blue supporter here. Great appointment of Cotter. Hopefully Schmidt gets involved as well. An afternoon, Steffi. Um, uh, silly stuff from Beestow and Bears ran out morally in similar vein and later apologised in his Cowdery speech, which is a must-watch on YouTube. Great show, Steffi. I had five bucks on Dan Hillier after the first round at a hundred to one, so I'm pleased for him and me. Cheers from Chris Yeah, Fantastic result from him as well, winning on the European Tour or the DP World Tour so um, I think he was on the show earlier last week as well, more of your texts after this. Shane van Gisbergen up to fourth, potentially third, he just passed someone else but I don't know if it was a lapped car or not uh, of course, don't have the commentary in here, but up to fourth, and there's 11 laps to go. Staffy, I hope Vern Cotter knows what he's getting into. Looks like a poison chalice to me. However, if he doesn't recruit a top tight head with the departure of Lalala and some locks, the Blues may as well not turn up. Cheers from Brian. Uh, the Warriors played the Sharks in terrible conditions. That was the comeback game, so they did play well. Nice, thank you. Uh, from Dan, goes, hmm... I've seen this movie before, The Warriors. Heaps of possession, first without scoring, got to sort that out quick. Outplayed, outcoached. Yeah, they weren't that great. After one, which is fast approaching, Blake Ashford, former warrior, and sometimes co-commentator with Sammy Hewitt as well, will reflect on The Warriors and the whole NRL weekend. Oh, the NASCAR's heating up. There's just eight laps to go. Shane Van Gisbergen currently third all over the back bumper of Chase Elliott. I'd say within the next lap he's going to take him. And then the leader, Justin Haley, is about five car lengths in front of him. Very obvious to me that the Giz is the fastest car on the track at the moment. Just needs to find a way a way through. Certainly finish in the top eight, which is what we thought the Warriors would do last week. But they've had a little bit of a blip, uh, just a tiny blip, as van Gisbergen goes through. He's now into second. Oh, it's fantastic. First drive in NASCAR and he's in second. Um, we're going to join the great man now as a bit of a review of what happened in the weekend in the NRL, former Warrior, former, 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 a few teams. Blake Ashford joins us. G'day, Ash. <laughs> hey, mate. How are you? Good. We only had 15 minutes to talk to you, so I didn't have time to go through all your teams. Um, so we... No worries, buddy. Let's kick off with that um, surprising non-effort by the Warriors, in a way, wasn't it, that completely tailed up by the Rabbitohs. What did you make of it?
10: Um, The Rabbitohs especially one player named uh, Cody Walker, put on a masterclass. Um, I just think his movement without the ball, uh, just everything he did just turned to a bit of gold. And like you said, mate, the effort, I just think they they came there a bit more desperate than the Warriors. Um, I don't know, the the Warriors really haven't been in a position like this over the last five or six years. Um, And South Sydney, I mean, they were first about three weeks ago they came into this game sitting eighth so I think they sort of needed the win but so did the Warriors but um, they turned up a bit more desperate
1: Yeah and even with a couple of late exclusions from the Rabbitohs I'm just wondering if that was played a little bit of a mental not with the Warriors saying okay we've already won this let's just go out and play but Things just weren't working. One thing that was identified last last week, uh, particularly by Kempi was saying Maratha and the Okore not partnering Sean Johnson on on that edge might affect not just those players but the team. Could you see some of that coming into play?
10: A little bit, yeah. I mean, we've been blessed and lucky that we've got so much depth this year, the Warriors, that we've been able to have Maratha there for so many weeks with Sean partnering him. I even thought Josh Curran. When he was first named there um, to partner Sean, I thought that was just as good because he's been outstanding this year when he's come on and been with Sean. So maybe, you know, Mitch Barnett might have thrown a bit of spanner in the works. Um, I suppose Mitch Barnett in the middle is just as damaging anywhere. Uh, Look, I mean, it's hard. I I, I can't take away from South Sydney, to be honest, Steph. Mm -hmm. Cody Walker this year has just been – he's the best six in the game, in my opinion – just the way he plays, it's he's just so classy. And like I mentioned, the stuff he does without the ball, the the, the space he creates without the ball is just exceptional. And I think, look, South Sydney, are, they're going to start to, to trend up, especially in the next couple of weeks. And now it's the Warriors' turn to try and pull, uh, pull back some points.
1: Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, Daly Cherry Evans, these old buggers that have been around a long time are really lifting at this time of year, aren't they?
10: Yeah, they are, mate. Um, you, know, you can throw Sean Johnson in that, yep. in that category too. Um, look, they're, they're just, I think, those, those first names you mentioned have just been in the arena, been in those finals matches, Origin, the likes, and... Um, you know, it just it just seems like to me, I know I keep harping on Cody Walker, but it just seems like to me it's South Sydney's time with Cody Walker there. Um Daily Cherry just yesterday, was outstanding as well, really got the the Eagles home in a close run to the Roosters and like you said, all the old heads, they're just they're just putting it back up, they know how to play the game well.
1: What do we think about the two results? Well, you could almost chuck in the Sharks scoring 52, but Cowboys 74-0 Wests, Knights 66-0 Bulldogs. Not a great advertisement for a competition that's got a salary cap.
10: Yeah, it's not, mate. Um, But the, the thing is, for me, the competition over the last five years has been sort of like this. There's been four or five teams and then there's been the rest. And we've seen this these scores more often I think this is the first time or there's been, you know, you can count on one hand how many times this year there's been blowout scores like this not a great great advertisement but uh, the less that it happens, I think the better and I think the competition is in a good spot where, look, we're speaking about the Warriors who have been outstanding this year now we're saying they might miss the eight. that's how quickly, like South Sydney were first they were 8th coming into the weekend it's just such a tight competition this year that the football's so good. No, we don't want to see those blowout games. But um, look, I'm, I think there's going to be a kickback this week and hopefully they, they all get a bit tighter.
1: What what do we make? I'm hearing, well, it's been reported Tim Sheens is going to stand down early and give the reins to Benji Marshall. But from what I see, Benji's pretty much got the reins at the moment anyway. This is a tough baptism for him uh, into coaching.
10: It is, mate. It is. But uh, I sort of liken it to, I know we keep going back to the Warriors, but the Warriors are, I think, are good this year. Yes, because of Andrew Webster, but also they've had those players that have been through that hardened time of the last four years. And I think he, I know the, the Tigers have been poor for the last 10, but I just think the young group they've got there now will reap benefits, the same as the coaches will reap benefits from this season, having the ups and downs, not too many ups. But, look, I, I don't know how the system is. I haven't spoke to anyone too much about the coaching at the Tigers. I think there's just a bit of unrest at the moment. Um, like it always is, made at the top. I just think that, look, the people at the top, the Tigers, the board, I think they need a change. I think they've had their time. And I think it's time to bring new people in and start from the top. Um, Look, it's tough as well being an ex-Tiger and they are one of those teams that, that you know, we didn't have time to mention. But uh, I just think my heart goes out to so them. I hope Benji does a good job when he takes the reins. I know he will. Um, and I hope they start getting some good players there.
1: I guess you could argue um, the Dragons are in a similar amount of turmoil, getting beaten by about 35, 40 points by the Sharks. They had that very messy Ben Hunt um, contract negotiation, this is a long year for the Dragons fans too.
10: It is, mate. Um, look, I don't know how it's going to play out. They're saying no, they want to keep Ben Hunt, but look, Ben Hunt's turning up trying to play NRL football and there's always things on your mind and when you can't have a clear focus in a game, it definitely plays a part. Um, I know there'd be people probably in the Dragons that it would be affecting as well, um, they might not come out and say it, but it definitely, you know, mm-hmm. your mate wants out and then you've got to strap up and play beside him each week. It must be hard. I know a couple of people have been told they can look elsewhere as well. That's come out this week in the media. So it's going to be tough end to the year for, for, the, for those teams. I think those three can definitely ride off any hope. Uh, the Tigers, the Dragons and the Doggies. Um, it's going to be a long rest of the year.
1: Two more games I want to talk to you about. The first one was the Panthers getting an away win over the Storm without Nathan Cleary. And I think that last comment I made, that's really important for the Panthers, for their belief system to go away, go to Melbourne, win without Nathan. That, that's a bit of a stake in the ground game for me.
10: Oh, mate, it was huge. It was huge. But I, to me, it shows how much Jerome Lewis has grown up as a footy player. Uh, I know people like to have digs at him and cracks at him for certain things but the way he can take over and control a game, especially on that left edge, I mean, you've got Jack Cogger who's done a great job. Um, but just, like, their forward back, their depth, it's just outstanding. And once again, when you think, you know, the Panthers are going to fall off after being in three grand finals, I, I challenge anyone to argument to say that they won't be there again. Because you just said without Cleary, you know, they go to Melbourne and, and win in that fashion. You put him back in, the team's just rolling, mate. Their forward pack's enormous. Um, Their key players, their spine, they they just do a great job and come from the juniors up. um, They've done a great job with that whole club. So that was a huge win, as, uh, as you mentioned, Steph. And, yeah, I think they've got the minor premiership wrapped up with their run home, I've seen.
1: And the last one, Broncos-Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins have been in the competition not even 12 months. This rivalry, uh, it feels like it's been around forever, the Broncos and the Dolphins, and they dished up a pretty good spectacle.
10: They did, mate. And they, they did earlier in the year as well. Um, you know, you can tell as well what it means to the Broncos. Such a proud club that's been around for so many years that every try or the start of the year, they were doing this is our home, you know, just wanting to... Reinstate to the Dolphins and the Dolphins fans that hey, we still run, we're still big brother here. It was a classy game. The Dolphins are a team, you know. Wayne Bennett's such a great man motivator, he can get players up for any any occasion, especially a derby like that. And uh, the way they've performed this year with the injuries they've had and the depth that they really don't have, um, they can really hang their hat on that. And going forward in the future, that this will be a derby to watch. And I think. Almost every game, wherever it's played, will get fifty thousand.
1: Finally, Aish, who's your finalist now? It's uh, mind change every bloody weekend, mate. What? How how are you lining up yeah. the two to play the GF?
9: Oh,
10: mate, it's hard. It is hard. I've I've gone on a on a on a roller coaster this year. Obviously, picking the Roosters and the Cowboys to start the year. Cowboys have come into form. Look, I tell you, one team to be weary of. I don't know. Look, I, I still love South Sydney. I think Penrith would be hard to beat, but I'll be weary of the pin, of the Parramatta Eels, mate. I think Parramatta Eels will be their grand final day and it would not surprise me if they had left the trophy this year.
1: Wow. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. I, I thought you were going to go Cowboys there with that big build-up, but no, you've gone Eels.
10: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, like I said, it's been a rollercoaster ride. I think I've picked almost uh, probably 16 out of the 17 at one stage this year. Oh, so,
1: fantastic. We'll stick to the Eels. Top man, H. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. No worries, Steph. Go on, mate. Cheers. Blake H. for the Former Warrior joining us on a very tumultuous weekend of uh, Rugby League. The Sharks scoring 52 points. Uh, Cowboys 74-0 against West Knights. 66-0 against the Bulldogs. I just can't keep my excitement levels down, though. Four laps to go in NASCAR. Shane Van Gisbergen in the last 10 laps has gone from 18th to 1st. And he's pulling away on the second man, Justin Haley. Chase Elliott sitting in third, but clearly the fastest car on the track. He he went from second to first. Haley passed him back on the very next corner. Then Van Gisbergen went past him again on the corner after that. So three laps now remaining. Van Gisbergen has about a 25-metre lead. They are all stacked up behind him from second through to about 12th because we had... Big number of laps under caution. Um, so I would say that the cars that are behind Justin Haley, who's sitting in second, are being held up by him a little bit as they now fan out down the main straight. We've got an aerial view here. I uh, don't have the commentary right, so I'm not commentating, I'm just observing. <laughs> but Van Gisbergen with three laps to go. So what we'll do, we'll take a break, and if we've timed it right, we might be able to bring you the last half lap after this break.
0: Very different atmosphere at Lord's to the normal kind of quiet hum that goes around the ground. It's it's all on at the moment. Green to Stokes. <laughs> Smashes it away straight to Long On. Hazelwood comes round, can't stop the ball. Huge cheer for But it's the power of Stokes, he's pulled Green away for six, he's on the charge, England need 148. Shirt again, top edge. Oh, six more, Mitchell start down in front of the members, he tried just to hold himself in front of the boundary edge and see if he could flick it back. Six, six, and a four in the over from Stokes. to go to a Test Match 100. England's captain, Ben Stokes, while he is there, England have hope. The team is on the balcony cheering as Stokes goes to 100. The Lord's crowd is up and cheering. It is the most magnificent innings from Stokes. Eight falls, four sixes, 100 from 142 balls. <laughs> Sliced away, Carey. And Kerry, Hazelwood, combine to end a quite magnificent innings from Ben Stokes, who has not moved. He wanted to get his team over the line. He's not done it, he's left England 70 short, but those Australia players know what they've witnessed today. Steve Smith first of all, then Pat Cummins went to congratulate Stokes. The end of a most magnificent innings... It doesn't matter if you're English, if you're Australian or you're from anywhere else in the world. What you have witnessed today from Ben Stokes is nothing other than magical. Everyone will stand and applaud something spectacular. Yes, the Australians will be up. Everybody in this stadium is up because it was absolutely brilliant.
1: Yes, brilliant innings by Ben Stokes there. Not good enough to get them across the line against Australia, though. Still under yellow flag, actually, just by the bite in the NASCAR. They will, they're extending the duration of the race lap by lap. They're going to have three laps minimum, um, under full steam, so they're just waiting for the track to clear. I'll keep you up to date with that. So three laps, but they're still under caution. So we way off. And of course, the big talking point was the Johnny Beerstone dismissal. Um, here's what Ben Stokes had to say after the match.
11: I think if if I was a fielding captain at the time, I would have put a bit more, well, a lot more pressure on the umpires to to ask them what their decision was around the over, um, and then would have had to have a a real think around the the spirit of the game and would I want to potentially win a game with something like that happening
1: and it would be no. It would be no. And so, Captain of Australia, Pat Cummins.
11: The conjecture was just whether over had been called but, you know, San the umpire made it clear that he didn't say over. Um, It
1: was all one motion, there was
11: no pause or sneakiness about it. It was catch, throw straight away. Did you consider the spirit of cricket? Can you defend not withdrawing that appeal? Okay. Um, oh, I thought it was fair. You know, it's... Um, you know, you see Johnny do it all the time. He did it day one to Davey Warner. He did it in 2019 to Steve. It's a really common thing for keepers to do. If they see a batter, keep leaving their crease, so... Um, you know, cares full credit to him, saw the opportunity. I think Johnny did it a few balls beforehand. Rolled at the stumps. Johnny left his crease. You leave the rest of the umpires.
1: Is there such a thing, or do you believe in such a thing as the spirit of cricket? Yep. Do you think, after Berto's dismissal today, which was
4: within the letter of the law, no, no disputing that. But are we in danger of seeing mancads or underarm
9: bowling later on in this series?
11: Uh, I mean, depends how flat the wickets get. It might be an option to turn to. <laughs> Yeah, we've all played a lot of cricket. The spirit of cricket's really important. I think the way we've gone about it over the last couple of years has been fantastic, um, absolutely fantastic. And we should be really proud as a group, yeah.
1: So there we go. Uh, Pat Cummins deflecting with a little bit of humour. I did laugh at the uh, English... Um, what would he have been? A journalist? Just saying, underarm, just chuck that in there, just a little bit of subtle jousting, still under yellow at NASCAR. Um Two laps. They're on apparently they're on lap seventy six of seventy eight going about sixty Ks an hour. It's just turned green. It has just turned green. So there's gonna be two laps to go for the giz. I'll bring you the end of it very shortly. But just quickly, um, T V wise, I just had a quick little uh, bo peep at the rugby championship odds. For this weekend, South Africa are a dollar twenty two, Australia at four twenty. I've been saying for a while I think Australia are sleeping giants while sleeping boil overs for this year. Not just rugby championship, but for the World Cup, given their draw. Um, they're 6.50 to win the rugby championship. Don't know if they can do that straight away because they've still got a few key injuries. Um, but the outright winner is there. Uh, the odds for just the Australia-South Africa game are there. So I'm guessing they're waiting for the all-black line before um, the odds come out on that one. Just clicking another button. No, they're not there at all. And given we were just talking about the ashes, uh, the next test sees Australia at two dollars eleven, England at two twenty seven, and the draw at five seventy. Just trying to see where that one's played. Do you know off the top of your head, cricket, Nuffy, Rabinho, No, looking blankly at me. Um, But Australia, 211, England, 227. That's pretty damn close. I think it's at Headingley. I'm pretty sure it's at Headingley. Yeah, I'm now getting a nod from Robinho. Back to the NASCAR. So, TAB, actually, all those odds, the cricket, the ashes, UFC 290, the Tour de France, Wimbledon. We're going to be talking Wimbledon very, very shortly. Um, TAB.co.nz Or the app is where you can find it, Um, 77 of 78. It's virtual darkness now in Chicago. Um, the street lights are glowing. I don't think the cars have even got headlights, even if they could turn them on. I don't even know if they've got them. But Shane Van Gisbergen is in the lead with I would estimate one and a half laps to go. He's got a lead of about I'm gonna give that about thirty meters. They're catching him a little bit up in braking, but he's accelerating out of the corners beautifully. He's had the fastest car on the road for about the last twenty laps, but to navigate from 18th place through to 1st, is quite incredible. It is quite incredible. Um, Matt's just loving this. Let me read you Matt's text messages in order. Just took third. Fastest car on the track. Ten laps to go. Shane Giz hits the front. Four laps to go. My God, he's taken the lead. History in the making. Unbelievable restart. What a freak. He's literally driven this car three times. The entire crowd is cheering for him. One lap to go. One to go. He's got it sewn up. History for motor racing. History for New Zealand. Absolutely phenomenal. That is Matt. He is living it. And they enter the last lap now. Van Gisbergen, I'd say the lead's now 40 metres. He just has to navigate these last few these last few corners. A little bit snaky out of that one. In front of the crowd, they're on their feet. They are roaring. Do I see a New Zealand flag? I'll make believe and say there is. He slows. A very sharp corner. Will there be risks behind him? They've closed up in on him from behind. Very tight. Very close. What's happened? Oh, he's finished. I was thinking, they're crawling. What's happening? He's been passed. But was they went across the finish line. Shane Van Gisbergen is your Chicago street race champion. Debut drive in NASCAR. That is ridiculous. In fact, I've been texting Jimmy Smith because we'll be talking to him. And I just said, Van Gis is about to win his NASCAR in his first ever start. And he said, that is off the charts. That is truly off the charts. This guy, motor racing-wise, would have to be close to one of the best ever. Tin tops, open wheelers, go-karts, he can win in everything. Incredible performance. Shane Van Gisbergen, NASCAR win in his first ever drive. We all salute you here, and I'm sure motor racing around the world salutes you as well. Simply incredible. We'll take the new sport and weather, and then we'll chat Wimbledon. Well, I don't know if Brett Phillips is much of an Andy Gibb fan. Um, we're about to find out. Brett Phillips, the tennis guru from and joins us on the eve of Wimbledon. G'day, Brett. Well,
9: I was popping you along there, Steffi. Uh, nice tune.
1: I like it. <laughs> it was number one uh, in 1980-something. <laughs> 78. 1978. My goodness. Um, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Nick Curios has taken me on a... Uh, a journey of emotional ups and downs. I'm good to go for Wimbledon. I'm not good to go for Wimbledon. It takes the gloss off the tournament for me.
9: Well, he's taken us on a journey full stop. I've had uh, 10 years of uh, the Nick Kyrgios' uh, journey, uh, Steffi, He's taken me to all corners and uh, some dark places at times, some good places. Uh, it's been a, yeah, a checkered career. Look, oh, to me... Probably no great surprise that he's uh, pulled out. Uh, you know, obviously he was wanting to play the leading grass court events. Uh, he played one match in Stuttgart, withdraw from Halle, withdraw from Majorca. Uh, but he had been training pretty well at the Orangi practice courts at Wimbledon in, in the last few days. He spoke to the media yesterday and gave every indication that he was uh, right to go. Uh, but he's, as, as, you know, you've seen the statement today, it's the wrist uh, that has uh, forced him to withdraw. Uh, not the knee, which has been the issue. So that was picked up in Mallorca. and yeah, the body just uh, hasn't allowed him to play. And only he uh, knows uh, his own body capacity, I suppose. Everyone's different, and what they'll play with. I mean, every sports person out there is probably playing with a niggle or two. But the wrist, if it is, you know, if it's the wrist, uh, that, that's a, you know, that's tough. You can't go and play Grand Slam tennis if you're. Um, one of your key parts of your body that's got to function pretty well in the high octane men's uh, tennis, uh, where the reaction time is so minimal. Uh, if, it, if it's if it's bad, you just you just can't go out there and beat your best. So I don't know when we're going to see him again. Um, he's sort of the outlier of the Australian men, and who knows when he will pop up this year potentially.
1: Yeah, I've I binged the next lot of episodes on the Netflix Tenor Story, and again they featured Curiosity. Such a, I find him remarkable. Yes, I don't agree with everything he does, but he's just so watchable. What's been the Australian reaction to that Netflix series, particularly around Nick?
9: Yeah, I think you know it just has gone with the territory of Nick Steffy that there is a different reaction to him here than what. Is uh, the reaction to him globally I think the thing we have to remember is that our Australian tennis players uh, don't spend any time really here in Australia they are gone once the uh, once the month of January is over there's a few that do come home in little spurts uh, but there's plenty who just stay on the road because we are so logistically far away from the the week-to-week tennis world that's uh, going on so You know, we had this little sort of time with Nick and the others, but but more so Nick because everyone is drawn to him. uh, And I'm talking about your non-tennis media, uh, a bit like the British tabloids who sit at Wimbledon and get in the press conferences and just grill (laughs) these tennis players but actually don't follow them all year. And I know the players bristle at that a little bit. Uh, But around the world there is, and I've experienced this going to the, the majors, is that there's just uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's an obsession, but there's such an interest in him and in, an intrigue uh, to follow his journey. And he tends to probably have a better relationship with um, you know the international <laughs> broadcasters than uh, some of us uh, here in Australia. So I think you know sort of this morning it's like oh well, we probably knew it was going to happen. I mean we just know curious and this is uh, this is the, the stuff that happens with Nick. Um, you know uh, <laughs> there's a lot of promise and. Not really, uh, not really delivering, to be honest.
1: So it gets underway very shortly. Novak Djokovic is on court day one. He's won the last four Wimbledons. He's won seven mm. in total. Um, number eight this year, I think so.
9: Going to take some beating. Mm. <laughs> going to take some beating. There's no doubt, and he he wants to win the calendar slam. He knows these young guys are getting closer and closer and closer. He's got to cash in. He's going to turn thirty-seven next year. It gets harder. Uh, from that point on, as Roger found out, Rafa's finding out uh, in terms of the body. Although, there's every indication that the Djokovic body might outlast those two and might have a bit more durability to go maybe to 38 and be in really good nick. Uh, not uh, just sort of hobbling out onto the tennis court. Uh, look, his draw, you know, it looks it looks pretty good. Uh, you know, home, We had a stat on our uh, first serve socials the other day. I'm going to try and remember this off the top of my head. But I think he had 86... Match wins at Wimbledon and all the other players currently in the top 20 uh, combined have not achieved that number. They (laughs) they fall some way short. So that's how far ahead he is ahead of everyone else. But look, Carlos Elcaraz, they're going to be on the opposite side, not on the same side of the draw, as we saw at the French, uh, being seeded one and two. And we'd love to see if an Aussie, if we're not you know, getting an Aussie through deep, um, we'd love to probably see take two of El and Djokovic. So we didn't get to see the full show uh, at the French with uh, El cramping up in that semi final. So I'd like to see those two go best of five. And Carlos uh, won Queens last week, one of the traditional lead ins. So he, uh, he brings some pretty good grass court form and the world number one ranking. <laughs>
1: Women's side, forty-three-year-old Venus Williams takes the court against um, two thousand and nineteen semi-finalist Alina Svit- Svitolina. Yep. Venus is still going. I, I love this woman.
9: Yeah. Well, it's funny, isn't it? I, you know, I, you have talked about break point, and I've watched a few of the um, uh, the episodes of the the, the second series the, uh, that's just come out, and obviously there was all the focus around the U.S. Open last year with uh, Serena and he's Venus in the stands, a forgotten about sister. But, hey, the five-time Wimbledon champion, which seems like an eternity ago. Uh, but she got a low pretty quickly before Serena just went bang and took over as the best sister. Uh, I don't know what's driving Venus necessarily to keep playing, but, look, she's uh, still got those competitive juices. She played a couple of um, not bad matches uh, in the week leading up. Where was she? Uh, one of the grass court events... Uh, in Europe and I think she beat Camilla Georgie she uh, had a second round match that was really close so she actually spent some time out on court and, and you know she's lost none of her physicality uh, she's lost a little bit of her you know just her timing and uh, the serve not always absolutely on song but, but you know Svitolina it's a great matchup it's the first one I identified on that side of the draw because Svitolina's come off a great French Open you know having been a mum the last 12 months out of the sport on maternity leave and yeah, it's a shame there has to be a loser in that match. But, yeah, Venus, I'd say, you'd have to say, uh, Staffy this is going to be the last one, the last hurrah at uh, SW19.
1: Yeah. And the world number one, who I didn't know much about, and I was very pleased one of the episodes on Netflix was about Iga Swiatek. Um yep. Just a tremendous, and I never realised how young she was. I never realised how many games she'd won in a row. She, she's phenomenal, mm. but... She made the final four of a grass tournament for the first time last week before pulling out Crook. But she's an outright Mm. favourite on the betting markets, having only just made a semi-final on a grass tournament. So um, can she write that this week?
9: Well, I I, I haven't got her as the absolute clear-cut favourite because she's never played her best at Wimbledon. Now, she's um, been a very good clay court player, obviously, with two French Opens. She's won in New York. Australia still hasn't uh, been her best uh, hunting race. She's made a semi-final in Australia, but uh, it's the grass that is the surface that she's still wanting to tick off. And she's not alone. On uh, the men's side, have got Medvedev just trying to tick off the grass. So Elisa Cornet caused the upset uh, last year. I think it was at the third or fourth round. Sabalenka couldn't play Wimbledon last year. Uh, the Belarusians allowed back in. She's been a semi-finalist. Really tough exit of the French, I think she will have a head of steam up arena, Rebuckina, last year's champion, the quiet assassin, as I call her uh, Steffi, and hmm. um, uh, if she does win it again uh, this year, can someone tell her to celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> was, she was so understated uh, last year, that Rebuckina had to pull out of the French uh, with those respiratory issues, so that's where the conversation starts with for me, those three. And then it's sort of a big lot of players that could maybe get on a run that we can't quite see right now. But Eager, not the absolute outright favourite for mine, but gee, she, uh, yeah, she'd she love to conquer the grass to uh, tick off another box at the ripe old age of uh, 21.
1: Yes, just phenomenal. Uh, Brett, very busy time. I won't take up any more of yours. As always, really appreciate you coming and chatting to New Zealand.
9: Indeed, first serve tonight on SCNZ. Uh, Steffi from uh, I think ten o'clock at your time uh, there on the North and South Islands. So we'll bring you plenty of tennis and be crossing uh, regularly over to uh, Day One at Wimbledon.
1: Well, wow, we're used to listening at ten o'clock actually because that's when the ashes have been starting. So just keep keep sure. it on, keep it on the dial and go first serve, mate. There we go. Indeed. Good, Good on Good time you? of the year. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Brett Phillips, host of First Serve, there, as he mentions on the in network tonight at 10 o'clock. North Island, South Island, West Island, the whole shebang. Uh, we'll come back after a short break.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed, an, been handed an, an urgent and horrifying
4: news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
12: What's making news around, around
1: the world? world. This has been the nerves of uh, Robinho Of course, Sammy Hewitt on breakfast for the next couple of weeks So, me and
2: Robinho And he comes up with some weird news What do you got? It is some weird news uh, And it kind of continues I guess, yeah, it's it's not actually too weird We'll ease into it, I think (laughs) Okay. Um, Firstly, New Jersey man Lost his high school class ring During a trip to the beach Mm. In 1972 Stop it and was reunited with it 51 years later. Jeez. So yeah, the uh, man said some of his uh, he and some of his friends were celebrating their graduation by visiting the beach when he lost his ring, and he figured if it was lost on the beach, it was it was gone. So he just forgot about it. And then a different man came across a shiny object while taking photos at sunset. He saw the name of the high school on the ring, posted it on Facebook. It was then eventually shared to the graduating class's Facebook group. His man's class, the man's classmates quickly started tagging him in it, and uh, he got it back. And That's th- a good news su- story. Thank you. Surprisingly, yeah, he, uh, he found... he in the- his late 60s now? 51, high school 17. Yeah, he'd yeah, be 68,
1: 69. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah, um, ring's still in good condition. He's now having it resized. <laughs> <I don't know.
1: laughs> Fat-fingered.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... Another story. Flights are delayed every now and then. They are. They are. We know this. Um, and uh, I, I actually saw this on, on TikTok, Steph. I okay. saw a video this guy made. Uh, scheduled flight from Oklahoma to North Carolina was delayed for nearly 18 hours. Ooh. One man not only decided to wait it out, but was the only passenger to do so. <laughs> so uh, he soon discovered all of the other passengers who were supposed to be on the flight had either caught other planes or just given up. So what did he do? They uh, They flew the plane. With him? With him. <clears throat> the man made this TikTok where he joked he had bought out every other seat on the plane to avoid having to deal with people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, apparently the crew for the flight had to get called. They were about to go to bed at their hotel, and he felt bad because they literally had to come back just for him. Not but, his fault? Um, yeah, well, exactly. He, he said they were uh, they were all in good spirits, and he even um, ended up making friends with the plane's crew during his flight. They're still texting and group messaging today after exchanging numbers. <laughs>
1: I'd love something like that to happen to me. Yeah. I was on, I was on an internal flight from Phuket to Bangkok or Bangkok to Phuket and they were relocating one of those two story 747 things. Six people on the plane. Wow. Six people.
2: Yeah. And now I like stories about gatherings. Yes, Steph and I and I at least I certainly seem to find a lot of them. We've had we've had Nigel's at a pub. I seem yes, to remember. Yes, uh, I even heard last week something about Dolly Parton costumes. Uh, yes, I think Sam did. As and um, well, hundreds of short-legged dogs and their owners <laughs> have gathered at an Oregon beach for the annual Corgi Beach Takeover event. So it's an it's an annual celebration held by the Oregon Humane Society. Now the disappointing is I couldn't uh, thing is I, d- I couldn't find an exact number, so I'm unsure if they're trying to go for some sort of record. But it does say hundreds. Hundreds of so, owners and corgis. That's a lot of corgis in one place. Uh, the event also featured a costume contest, corgi races and raffles.
1: Wow. I'm, I'm no offense to corgi owners, but I'm not drawn to owning a corgi. I like dogs, yeah. but not a corgi. Fair enough. And I think it's because one of my mate S from uh Boyce the High, they had eh? The letter? The letter, yeah. Okay, right. S. Uh, Simon but you just called him okay, fair enough, yeah. um, they had two corgis and one of them bit everyone yeah, was that nice. wasn't in the family
2: right you got a fact Steph? <laughs> you got, it. of course uh, I've got some got some sports facts today that I actually saw on Twitter um, which kind of got me thinking of the I'm, I'm sure someone if not you have had this conversation on the station before but the craziest sporting records mm-hmm. of just all time and I saw this one that in over 1200 rounds Calvin Pete Only hit one ball out of bounds.
1: I remember Calvin Pete. Yeah, I think he might have been the first black man to play the Masters. I think. Okay. Or the first black man or man of colour to get a PGA Tour card or something like that.
2: that. Right. Yeah. Well, twelve hundred rounds of golf. That's if we assume 18 18 holes. That's twenty one thousand six hundred holes of golf. One ball out of bounds. It's not bad. That's ridiculous. I uh, and I also found this one, which is pretty crazy, of uh, Wilt Chamberlain playing for the Philadelphia Warriors in sixty-one, sixty-two, averaged forty-eight and a half minutes per game. <laughs> was, overtime basketball is forty-eight minutes a game, but yeah, only uh, only sat out seventeen minutes the entire season and played some overtime. Wow. Well so, yeah.
1: still he played a lot of overtime off the court. You've heard that story, have you? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, legendary. I'll fill you in another day. Um, we'll take a break. We'll get through some text messages before the news. Right, some of your text messages one from uh, Albany. Steve, Staffy, Besto should have been called back. The fact that he wasn't is why Australia are the bad boys. If the boot was on the other foot, they would that would have happened. It is not cricket. So you can understand why the Lords members reacted as they did. The Aussies are dirty. This is understood by all who love the game. Regards, Steve from Albany. Staffy, the new rugby comp has been over over the sports news all weekend. Where have you guys been? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it, but I just didn't I didn't read too much into it. Um, I just needed a bit of an explainer, which we will work on for you. Uh, great interview with Hamish Kerr, Staffie. I really enjoy how you bring us sports outside the big ones. Keep up the good work. Dave from Nelson. Thank you, Dave. Yes, I like talking about the sports that don't get covered very much. What was the... Midnight interview. Love your work, Scott. Uh, Mitch McLennigan was midnight last week. Staffy, the Blues have signed a tight head prop and two locks and an outside back, and one is in Argentina with the All Blacks. Teaser from Ken. Teaser. Staffy, real cool having the ashes on Duke, but no replays or highlights. is a bit of a bugger. Marshy from the Hawks Bay. Staffy, Shane Van Gisbergen is a freak. What can't this man do? From New Zealand. Uh, a driver's driver for the ages. I'm sure USA beckons now. Thanks for the updates, fellas. That's from Jared and Staffy. How good is Shane Van Gisbergen? And honestly, what a legend at NASCAR. The good old boys own game with Boss Hogg and the General Lee. Southern men, wow, what a Kiwi go, Shane. That's from Dino. Um, the run home has got Mark Larkham, synonymous with V8 supercars, and he's excited. So stick around for that later on. Right, not very, about two and a half hours away. The White Ferns will be taking on the Sri Lankan women's team in the decider. Sri Lanka very dominant in that very first match. So they won by nine wickets, Duckworth Lewis. And then we absolutely pants them in the next one by 111 runs. Two Centurions and Sophie Devine and Amelia Kerr. And the man steering the ship, head coach Ben Sawyer, joins us. Good G'day, Ben. G'day mate, how are you? Very well. Um, Gosh, different conditions over in Sri Lanka than what we've got here in New Zealand. How how have the girls adapted to uh, what you're being thrown up over there?
5: Yeah, look, I I think, you know, what you said in your intro was probably spot on and and assesses where we were with the conditions. So, you know, 13 of our 15 players have never been here and... um, unfortunately there were no practice games so you know that first game it probably took a little bit of adjusting but you know we were able to to quickly then have a look at the footage and and see what we needed to change. And, and then the girls were able to put that into place. So hopefully that can continue today as well.
1: Um, you paid uh, the same 11 in both the ODIs. So, <laughs> Rosemary Bremier, Molly Pinfold, Izzy Gaze, and Lee Kasperick. Uh, on the sidelines, one of our great listeners, Gary from Upper Hutt said, uh, what chance Lee Kasperick today, or any of those four that haven't had a crack?
5: Uh, look, I think there'll be one coming today. Um, but... Um, Look, Lee's been playing really well in terms of you know what she's been doing at training. But um, as I've said a number of times about Lee, there's there's three spinners at the moment that are mm-hmm. that are performing really really well for us, and and it's quite a, a tough little group to to get into. So um, at the moment, those those three are doing a really good job, and, and Lee's going to have to bite her time with that. But but she knows exactly where she stands, and I think the fact that um, that she's on this tour shows exactly what we think of her and where we see her in terms of you know being a spinner that. That can forge a way into that group. So um, yeah, look, Lee's been great on the tour and, and if she gets her opportunity, I am sure she'll do well as well.
1: And you got three T twenties coming up. Does the squad stay the same, Ben?
5: Uh look, it'll shift a little bit, mainly around that middle order, and it's something that we've you know, we've spoken about. We're still trying to, you know, we're always trying to figure out our absolute best eleven. There are a number of positions that, you know, we haven't quite nailed down. So um, you know, while we're looking to win every single match, we're also trying to just, you know, figure out what works for us in these conditions, especially with uh, we've got two World Cups in the next two years uh, in similar conditions. So I'm um, trying to work towards that as well at the same time.
1: Yeah, as a head coach in any sport, that's the balance, is it? Like you you really want to win the game that's in front of you, the one that starts in two and a half hours. But you know, a certain percentage of, uh, percentage of you is always looking towards the future, isn't it?
5: That's absolutely correct. And, you know, since coming in the job, I've tried to brush up on a lot of my Kiwi sport and, and uh, reading about the All Blacks and, you know, I heard a great quote from one of the coaches that, that said, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to win now, but you've also got to win in 12 months time and you've got to keep your eye on that, on that prize. But, yeah, number one is is to win the next two and a half hours, like you said, but, um, you know, just with an eye to the future. So, you know, that's exactly what we're trying to do here as well.
1: Leah tahuhu who's been great for you on tour. Obviously, it was pretty well documented, wasn't it? Offered a contract, then put in some great performances. Now she's got a contract again. Uh, must be great to have her back in the mix, not only with the bowling effort, you know, she took four for the other day, but um, just her experience around um, a lot of the youngsters
5: yeah again, I think it's like you said it's well documented since I came in I was really you know wanting to have Leah in this group and um you know we were able to to get her back onto the onto the contract list and um you know again she showed what she was worth the other day we, we've spoken so much around, how the spin was going to dominate over here. And, and she had three for 10 in her, in her first three overs. So, um, you know, she can bowl in any conditions in in anywhere because of that experience, that exactly what you spoke about. But, you know, her chatting to some of the younger quicks as well, and especially around just preparing yourself. And, you know, it's really, really hot over here at the moment and um, just making sure that you do things the right way. And, and she's been invaluable from that from that space as well.
1: Can you share with us what a non-game day looks like for your squad?
5: Yeah, look, again, um, you know, with that eye to the future, we've, we've actually tried some days where um, we actually try and train fairly hard. Um, so uh, to get used to the conditions and, and to to use the subcontinent in a way that that can improve us, um, we did that at the start of the tour and then obviously you have to assess and and realise that a, a number of players have done a lot. So someone like Sophie and uh, Amelia who scored the hundreds the other day obviously get, get let out of training and, you know, because they've been on the field for 100 overs. So, again, each day is is just sitting down with especially the medical guys and um, seeing exactly what each individual needs. So, you know, some days we have half the trod train squad others you know we've just had a complete day off or we use it as a day to to top up and and you know really try and improve our fitness and things like that so um yeah we try and assess it each and every day and and see what we can get and what the squad needs
1: i want to ask you about a player that isn't there uh jess kerr um i thought when She broke her toe. This is going to be a big loss. I think she's just a real comer um, for the future. Wonderful bowler. Have you been in touch and keeping track of her progress?
5: Yeah, we obviously, um, you know, it was pretty upset for Jess. And then we left, um, I think we left on a Thursday. So we had her at our final camp um, right up until the Monday. Um, We had a bit of a cat presentation and she was there. And, you know, she's been given a, a plan to to hopefully get back as soon as she can. Obviously with a broken toe, I think it's about six weeks for that bone to heal. And then, and then she can get right back into it. But um, look, she's a massive part of our plans. And, and like you said, it, it's a big loss, but again, going back to our first conversation, it, it's, it's, it's given us an opportunity to, to maybe have a look at a couple of others on tour as well. So um, while we obviously want Jess here, it's, it's given us a little chance to see a few, but yeah, um, yeah, look, from from all accounts, she's she's going well. And, and like I said, she's a big part of our plans and definitely looking for her for the South African tour in September.
1: So with the deciding ODI at 4.30 New Zealand time, so two and a half hours away, <clears throat> I'm not telling you to tell me the starting 11, but two That's and a right. half hours out, do you know the starting 11 or do you wait till you get to the ground to make your final decisions?
5: No, no, we try and tell the girls as always as possible. So the girls were told um, last night just so that, they can prepare and, um, you know, I guess it's just a little, feel of the nerves and a bit of anxiousness out of the way. So um, I don't think, you know, sometimes we might have to leave it till the morning to, to see what conditions are like. But um, we've trained at this same place for a week. All three games are there. We saw the wicket yesterday. It is a new wicket, but... Um, it looks just as good. So I don't think there's any surprises going to be thrown out when we turn up to the ground. So, um, no, the 11 know exactly who they are.
1: So deciding ODI today, then three T20s, uh, always with the eye to the future. Then what, what's next for the squad?
5: Uh, so head home and then a number of girls then have a, a few franchise opportunities. So I think we have three in the, in the hundred and, and then we have, um, I think another three or, um, think four maybe, uh, going to the CPL. So it's it's really nice that a few of our girls get an opportunity. Um, Fran Jonas, our young left-arm ortho who's, you know, quite young in terms of international cricket, uh, has been asked to, to participate in a franchise. So that's great that she's she's getting that opportunity. And um, so that finishes about the 10th of September. And, and then we head off to South Africa on the 18th where we uh, we play five T20s and, and three ODIs, um, you know, against a, a team that – Obviously, we're in the, the World Cup final um, earlier in the year, so that'll be a, another really good challenge for us. And, and then Pakistan home series in December.
1: Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Tell you what else is exciting. And I know while well, you're coach of our New Zealand National Women's team, the Ashes is on over in England. Have you been keeping a little bow peep on what's happening with the Aussies and the English in the Ashes?
5: Yeah, the three coaches watched yesterday. I... um. Yeah, it was uh, interesting watching with Johnny Basto and a few moments there last <laughs> night. But um, yeah, look, it's been great cricket and, and to watch Ben Stokes, what he do last night, was, was pretty amazing and, and to nearly get him over the line. So um, no, lots, of the, lots of the girls have, have been watching while we've been here as well.
1: Brilliant, Ben. Well, I really appreciate you chatting to us on game day. A lot of coaches won't do that, but you've stuck your hand up. We do appreciate it over here in New Zealand. We wish you all the best in the decider against Sri Lanka this afternoon.
5: No, anytime. No worries at all.
1: Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Ben Sawyer, head coach of the White Ferns, uh, 4.30. You can follow it on, go to YouTube, Sri Lanka Cricket. Just put that into the search bar and they've got their own YouTube channel and you can watch it there either on your device or you stream it or once you get there, you'll figure it out, I'm sure. Uh, Craig's just texted in about the cricket, uh, Staffery the cricket. I just heard someone say there's no replays, but there is. It's online at TVNZ+, and it's good. The start catch slash non-catch was 100% the correct call and only has himself to blame. Looked like he could easily have got his hand under the ball, but he didn't. I bet he doesn't make that mistake again. The burst, though, run out was also the correct call. The umpires got both decisions right. I was gutted a few years back that Baz didn't call uh, Mirrily back when he was obviously going to congratulate his teammate on scoring 100 and Baz did a similar thing so now it's happened again i'm not sure if Baz has spoken about Kerry or the aussies but can't complain after doing the same thing himself he did comment actually uh the faint that well one comment was I don't imagine us having any beers with them any time soon was one of the comments and wasn't in the spirit of the game um uh, I'm not giving bears excuses, but I think Brendan McCullum version one is very different to Brendan McCullum version two uh, because that Brendan McCullum version one when he ran out in as keeper, he wasn't captain and it was post-Phil um, uh, Hughes that Brendan changed um, and changed the way New Zealand played cricket and I think he changed a lot himself and he's quite often talked about that and he did bring it up in his Cowdery speech at Lord's few years ago which is on YouTube and it is a good listen that someone else mentioned earlier as well so um, big thank you to Ben Sawyer for coming on another text here from Dino Staffy about the domestic jet service in the USA excellent the jets are mostly on a 24 to 48 hour rotation so when it goes from LA to Vegas full it only stops for 45 minutes fuels and goes off again back to LA and sometimes full or not. It just goes anyway. As it's on a rotation system, that's why that guy was maybe by himself, Dino. It was because they had an 18-hour delay and everyone else just got something else and he decided to stay on. But you bring up a good point. LA to um, Vegas. I did San Fran to Vegas playing chocker, absolutely chocker, and couldn't believe when I got off the plane at the Las Vegas airport, walked through the air bridge out into the airport terminal, Poker machines everywhere in the airport. Kids playing on parents' laps and stuff. It was just phenomenal. But then my flight back from Vegas and I went to LA, um, quarter full, barely a quarter full. Um, Do like to keep up with your texts? The Blues have signed Jimmy Tupo. And I think counties have as well. Not sure what he will offer apart from age. How old's Jimmy Tupo now? I think, I think he was Counties before he left, wasn't he? I feel, I feel like he's going to be 36 or something. I have to look up how old he is. Uh, he's 30. Okay, thank you, uh, Rubinho. He is fast on Google, Rubinho. Uh Steffi, do we know what pushed Scotty McLaughlin into IndyCar rather than NASCAR, uh, IndyCar rather than NASCAR, which is a lot more like supercars? Um, it was because... He's part of the Ganassi group, isn't he? I think, and they owned they owned the supercar team. And he said, "Do you want to come and drive for me um, at Indycars?" And he, he said, "Why not?" Um, and he's making a decent fist of it as well. In fact, I think he was fourth or fifth in the weekend. Uh, Scott Dixon was second. Marcus Armstrong ninth from memory. So um, we're having a great. We're having a great time of it in motorsport. I was just thinking before, what a weekend for us. Just on the back of Shane Van Gisbergen winning his first ever NASCAR title. Dan Hillier winning on the DP World Tour, the European Tour. Fantastic. Zoe Hobbs breaking the New Zealand and Australasian record again with a 9-9, a 10 6 Don't make her a 9 <laughs> a 10 6 And Hamish Kerr winning at the Diamond League. Just, just incredible. We um, had Hamish Kerr on earlier on in the day. Uh, you can go back and listen to the podcasts uh, on the SEN app or, or Apple or Spotify. I listen to my podcasts on Apple, actually. I did a lot of podcasts listening in the weekend, a lot of Netflix watching, thanks to the weather. And if you're out there driving, we're hearing all of these weather reports to do take care. I'd rather have all of you wonderful listeners that are in the car just be five minutes late rather than get there on time and take risks. Is that fair? I think that's fair. So do drive safely, please, folks. Please, folks. Um, we got a little clip. Um, Pat Cummins again, wasn't it, Robbie? What You said to me you found another clipper on the ashes. Wh- which one is it?
2: It's Pat Cummins talking on um, the, the reception that they got, you know, walking in. Oh, down um, the long room, yeah, because yeah, yeah.
1: I watched that. And there was like 65-plus-year-olds, members, booing and cussing and swearing at the Australians and I said to Smithy a couple of hours ago he said he's walked through there many many times as a member and as a player and you can hear a pin drop with polite applause and he was alarmed. So here was Pat Cummins' reaction to the reception the players got.
11: You know I'd say the MCC came and apologised for the behaviour of some of the members um, Yeah, they, I think some of them might lose their membership over the way they behaved. Uh, I think they were just quite aggressive and abusive towards some of our players, um, which yeah I know the MCC weren't too happy with. Can you tell us why comments here, and particularly the abuse that the team got, does hurt so much? Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it hurts any more than normal, Um, I think just yeah, the standards that I guess that are held by the members are maybe a bit different to what you'd expect from certain sections of, say, the crowd in Edge Baston. So, um, I mean, to quote Smithy, it felt like a normal day for a lot of the times what he cops.
1: There you go. There you go. Pretty disappointed. Um, I can tell you that the New South Wales Blues team has been named. Here it is. Fullback James Tedesco keeps his spot. On the wings, Brian To'o and Josh Addo-Karr. Centre pairing of Stephen Crichton and Bradman Best. Cody Walker into the sixth jersey. Mitch Moses retains the seven. And then front row of Jake Trebojevic makes his return. Regan Campbell-Gillard is in in the 10 jersey. Damian Cook in nine. Ooh, Liam Martin and Kian Kolomatangi. And the 13 is Cam Murray. And on the bench, Isaiah Yo, Jacob Saifidi, uh, Reese Robinson, Clint Gutherson. Uh, how many is that? One, two, three, four. And the 18th man, Scott Drinkwater and Spencer Len Yu. Wow. So, Jerome Lui, Hudson Young, Tyson Frizzell, Utu Kaimanu, Junior Borlo have all been dropped. Payne Haas has also been left out but there's uh, thoughts that he's got an ankle injury. Two debutants in Kola Matangi and Bradman Best at centre. Cody Walker's earned his recall at 5.8 for Lui, Jake DeVoy at Regan Campbell-Gillard at prop. Uh, Scott Drinker and Spencer Lynn—you have been named on an extended bench. I don't think it's beyond me to say wholesale changes. Wholesale changes. New South Wales Blues fans, wowee. Wow, Um Brad's actually said Footless named his team for Origin 3. It's absolutely atrocious. He's gone. And the next text says, have someone come on to talk about SVG. Tell you what, I'll throw the lines open. If anyone wants to talk about SVG, call me now. 0800 150 I can tell that texter that Mark Larkin will be joining the run home after 3. So keep out for a listen on that. But eh, call me about that New South Wales Blues team or Shane Van Gisbergen's incredible NASCAR victory, 800 150 Happy to take your calls. Just on Jimmy Tupou, he had five years at Counties. He had three seasons with the Crusaders, a couple or one with the Blues, and he's been at the NTT Shining Arks in Japan. Um, I don't know how recent that was, actually. But um, he is coming back. I saw... Actually, before I tell you what something about the Highlanders, um, third round of the under-20 world champs, New Zealand, 2 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, have Japan, under-20s. And in their group, they are third of four. Um, they played two, they've won one, lost one. Uh, lost to France, beat Wales by a solitary point. They have a minus 20 points differential. They're on five points. Wales are on seven. France are on ten. So New Zealand will probably need to put a big number on Japan. And then I'm picking France will be playing Wales. They certainly are. They may not make it out of the group. May not make it out of the group, but that's Wednesday morning. Uh, I saw something on a uh, Hollander's Facebook page yesterday, about the players that are leaving the Highlanders. Get this for a list. Aaron Smith. We know about that. Andy Macaleo. uh Fatuli Paya. Freddie Burns. Jeff Thwaites. Josh Dixon. Lenny Uppesai. Marini Makalituu. Marty Banks. Masisi Dawai. Reese Marshall. Scott Gregory. Shannon Frizzell. Vilamani Kuroi. Mitch Hunt. James Lenches. That is 16 players.
2: What's the outright paying for next season?
1: 1,000? <sighs> um, some, like, some of those, like Aaron Smith, we always knew that that he'd be going, but that is a lot of players out. That is a lot of players out. Um, go to the lines. Craig from Tauranga. G'day, Craig. G'day, Steph. How are you doing? Good, thanks,
13: bud. Um, I'm on the headphones. Can you hear me
1: right, or do you want me to flick over to the phone? Oh, when the headphones are on, it makes this horrible peaking noise.
13: No worries. I'm on the phone now. That's better. <laughs> um, no worries. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, I, I heard you put a shout out for people to call about Shane Gisbergen, and I'm a I'm a big supercars fan, so got a bit of support. The call, right? If, uh, <laughs> you know, if we want to, if, if we want you to cover it a bit more, then we better. Uh, better get involved so um the problem i have is i don't know anything well i don't know much about nascar i don't really watch it because we've never really had an interest um there without having a kiwi driving it i would have loved to have watched it today and i just didn't i just couldn't find it um other than i think you were you guys watching it online or something
1: yeah just at nascar.com and i tell you what the coverage on there you could click on Oh, you could click on a little icon next to Shane's name, and it just took you in his car, and you just drove around with him. And, and for the last few laps, I clicked on aerial view, and it was from a chopper above the leading cars. It was fantastic.
13: Nice. So uh, yeah, definitely have a look at that. If he's going to race some more, and obviously great performance. I don't. Uh, was it the first time NASCAR have done a street circuit? Um, it, it, yeah. I – I think I heard that somewhere in the media. So obviously the supercars um, do the street circuits a bit more. So so Shane's obviously had a lot of uh, a lot of practice and and uh, or a lot of experience, I guess, in, in the street circuits. But to come in, I mean that that's unbelievable to come in and, and win your first go, go in a NASCAR. It's um, yeah, I, I I need to find out a bit more about it as to to how he's ended up being so dominant in the first race because that that's a huge surprise for anyone to come into another um you know another code like that and 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 pick up a win so yeah awesome it's a shame from supercar's point of view um we'll probably end up losing losing him as well the best supercars racing was when when Scotty and Shane were were going head to head the two of them were just unbelievable drivers and Yeah, one of those things, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've heard through the grapevine that the next supercar season will be the Gizz's last, and then he's going to become something like a bit of a driver for for hire, and Scott McLaughlin's seeing what he can do to get him a drive in the Indy 500, which um, he can drive anything on wheels, so that's the amazing thing about the Gizz.
13: Well, it is, yeah. I have heard Shane interviewed before and the ovals don't really interest him. So that's interesting that, that McLaughlin's talking about the Indy 500 because it's an oval. Um, Shane's kind of said in the media and never made a secret of it that he, he he's not that interested in the oval racing. Um, you know, just turning left all the time, as he put it, um, doesn't really interest him. Um, but, you know, and yeah, that's what the States is where the money is. The States is, yeah, just... Obviously, an awesome opportunity, and and yeah, proved himself right. He can drive anything, you know. He's, it's unbelievable. The, the, the rallying—I don't know if you've ever seen him in a rally car as well—but he's just so talented, that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got driving in his DNA. Good man, Craig. Thanks for calling.
13: Anyway, mate, no worries. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah more supercars uh, coverage be good for me. Okay, thanks, mate. Thanks, Steph.
1: Good on you. Yeah. Um, three eels in the New South Wales squad means the Warriors don't have to play them this weekend. Good point, Richie. Depowered eels. Depowered eels. And actually, it's quite a long text message, which ends with freakish. So after the news, I'll read the rest of it. I haven't read it yet, but if it ends in freakish, I'm looking forward to reading it. Let's take the news, and I'll come back with a freakish text after that. I normally like your music, Robbie. Don't like that one at all. Fair enough. Try again tomorrow. (laughs) Try again tomorrow. Uh, Here's the freakish text. Uh, Okay, first time reading it. Hi. Hi. In the weekend, I watched my friend do the running race where you have to do a 6.7k track every hour. Uh, His name's Sam, can't remember his last name. He is a freak. He just seems to be able to run through extreme pain. I don't know how it's physically, mentally possible to run for nearly five days without any proper sleep. He only had to run for about 40 hours straight to win this race. That is freakish. That is freakish. I think I saw, there was one on the Gold Coast, was that last week? And you've got, yeah, you've got an hour to do a circuit and anyone that doesn't cross the finish line after that hour is eliminated and it's a drop-off. And then they got down to the last three, something like that something like that, um, freakish. Uh, and a text from Brad says, Jake Tahiwi in the midfield, Nathan Hasty, halfback, Cam Miller at 10, um, Oliver Haig, a Lucy, Hayden Michaels, a Lucy, Henry Bell, a hooker, Jack Taylor, a hooker, AJ of Hunger, he's a 10-12, have all signed for the Highlanders. All under 21 years, big time rebuild happening. Brad, that heartens me. Thank you. Thank you for that text message, sir, because with so many going out, there's going to be more coming in. Good youngsters. And it might take some time, but they've had quite a good academy down there by all reports, which is good news. Um, we've got time to take – no, we haven't. We haven't got time to take a quick call because we do have to find out what happened. Did we show anyone some money?
0: Show you the money. i not so good Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Show me the money. Derek, you
1: better yell. Show me the money. Uh, this is where we either look at our wounds or we fan the notes in the air. I can only remember what I took. I can't remember the others. Robbie, you've got the details.
2: Right. Well, I wasn't here, um, which is fun. But I'm going to, I'm going to take you back because I have looked at what you did, and um, so you had, you had yourself, you had. Sammy Hewitt. Yeah. Caller Sam. Caller and uh, Sam. And Braden. Brayden Yossi. Yeah. Braden, Braden was in. So uh, we'll start with Braden. Okay. Um, and he quite simply took the England under-21s to beat uh, the Portugal under-21s. Oh, football.
0: Surging forward. Gibbs-White lets it run to Madueke. Back to Gibbs-White. Gordon! What a goal for England!
2: And it was the only goal in the match. Gordon... Uh, Gordon with the goal for the uh, England under 21s. <laughs> There's one. One from one. And then it was a triple NRL after that. Staff, uh, you took the Dolphins plus nine and a half point start against the Broncos.
0: Full time. Brisbane 24, the Dolphins 16.
2: So you add nine and Goodness a half to me. the
1: 16, it's 25 and a half, and it gets a tick.
2: Two out of two. Going to Sammy, I think uh, I think his actually took place first. It was that uh, Sharks-Dragons game, and uh, he took uh, Mulatalo and Kartoa both to score, and uh, Cronulla 13-plus as well.
0: Mulitalo again, the beneficiary. He has Go, two. Sammy!
2: That was it. Two for Mulatala, oh. none for Katoa. So, oh. And they did win 13+. plus. Yeah, they smoked them as well. So, yeah. Unfortunate there. And then uh, caller Sam went to the Warriors, took Wade Egan to score.
0: Egan, Pompey, there's
6: the try, Marcelo Montoya. This is exactly what happened. Short side play, Pompey, to Montoya, they're in for the first point.
2: Montoya with the first points, and uh, unfortunately for the Warriors and for caller Sam, the only points. <laughs> so two from four. Oh well, you're on deck for the next two. Assuming there's no roster changes or sickness, I'm very much on deck for the next two, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I had a run of, I want to say, like three in a row. Show me the monies, which was over the course of a few months, but, um, but then yeah, I think I, I think I picked one that that didn't come in and now I'm now I'm nervous <laughs> you're very so nervous we'll see how that goes um,
1: <clears throat> text saying can you get SVG on tomorrow police staff look I would love to I love Shane Van Gersbergen, but he's he would probably be one of the hardest guys to get to do media he he doesn't dislike media he just doesn't like doing it um, but I will certainly try don't worry about that um, I'm pretty sure all the shows will try hard um so if he says yes, he will appear on the on the station somewhere tomorrow and we will certainly let you know. I'm not quite sure what this next text message means. It says next year. Open quotation marks. Good af good afternoon. From the cockpit, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Captain Van Gisbergen, joined by blah, blah, blah. It's not too unbelievable, is it? Not 100% sure what that means. Maybe he's going to host an interview show from the pit lane. I'm not sure. We're going to go across to Australia and talk to Jimmy Smith after this break. Right, we're about to go across the ditch to Jimmy Smith and Coach K. Should hear them shortly. Yep, there we are. There he is. Hello. G'day, uh... Australia. <laughs>
12: Just explaining to the audience how antsy you get about being on time after, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a little late on Friday.
1: Yeah, well, we're sick of being on time and having to pad for a minute waiting for you. So we said, let's just go at 46 instead of 45, and then you guys end up on time. (laughs) But Kingo, the professional, the professional just padded for a minute and waited for us.
12: Did he? Well, well, what a professional. Mm. So There we go. Shane Uh, Van
1: Gisbergen.
12: Oh, yeah, one of the great Australian drivers of all time. What a legend. What's he done now? (laughs) He won his (laughs) debut drive
1: in NASCAR in the city of Chicago. Did he? Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was (laughs) phenomenal. We were riding it. I commentated the last two laps Yeah,
0: without broadcast (laughs) rights. These cars
12: are going round and round. No, it's street racing. It was street racing. Well, that's what we heard in the the piece of audio that he's navigated the streets of Chicago mm. so well. And we thought there's a lot of people gone to Illinois and haven't navigated the streets of Chicago so well. But Shane did it. So well done, Shane. Where did he grow up? Victoria? Is he regional Victoria?
1: Uh, regional New Zealand.
12: Oh, is he? Is yeah, he? Didn't yeah. know that.
1: Yeah, it started <laughs> in go-karts, uh, multiple New Zealand go-kart champion, New Zealand Grand Prix open wheel. The guy can dry, drive anything, Jimmy. It's yeah. It's crazy.
12: He could drive the Toro zero turn mower too, I reckon. There, which you'd, you'd really get going on that, I reckon. SVG. Now I tell you what: for him to do what he's done, I know it's only a one-off drive, but that then now puts his name up in lights over there. If anyone wants to sign him up, they go, "Well, we know this bloke can come over and get the job done."
1: Yeah, we've we've heard through the New Zealand very astute uh, great fine of motorsport that we produce driver after driver that this will be his last supercar season, the one coming up, and then he's off. That makes sense. mm.
12: That the opportunities are just too big,
1: yeah, and it, and the money's enormous in America.
12: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the other thing too, you'd always be wondering, well, what if? Why didn't? It's it's like going to the NBA if you're a basketball player, or you know, going going to the NFL if you. It's it's the equivalent of that. So, uh, well played to him. Uh, speaking of well played, gee, the South Sydney Rabbitohs played well.
1: Oh, didn't they? Friday uh, night, they didn't. Everyone's second favourite team, South Sydney Rabbitohs.
12: Um, great crowd there, uh, did, I wasn't surprised at about the 60 minute mark that it started thinning out, giving it, it had been pelting down for about, well, I don't know how, certainly two and a half hours uh, that I was watching. Maybe it was longer than that.
1: Mate, it was phenomenal, that the sheeting rain. And I was down to do sideline for that game for ECNZ oh, here. And oh. with a slight twist of fortune, our gear packed up in all the rain. So we just had the commentary box alive and the poor old sideline guy wasn't allowed to go down sideline and get drenched. I doubt I would have been here today if I had to do two hours in there. It so, was phenomenal.
12: So just, just let me get this right. So you were actually in the commentary box, not sideline.
1: I went home. So went Tony, home. Yeah, Sammy and Tony oh. Kemp, they were they were ball by ball and expert comments. Yeah. And he yeah. said to me, Stay in the box and we'll have a third voice. I said, You don't need three voices when you two talk flat out. If I can't do sideline, I'll just go home. So I did sideline from home.
12: You did not.
1: I lived ten minutes from the ground. I did. I did.
12: So, hang on, you, you were doing the sideline, but you weren't actually involved in the broadcast. You were literally just talking to anyone who was at home. Just saying, oh, oh, I was
1: texting Sam information oh. that they're not privy to, like try oh. scoring records, HIAs being passed or not on the sideline eye from home.
12: Okay, I'll tell you what we didn't see much of on Friday night. Sean Johnson with the little one 2 step off the left foot. It's vintage SJ. Not a lot of that.
1: Yeah, look, he's allowed one off game. <laughs> just the one. He was schooled by Cody Walker. Jeepers. Oh, actually, Jimmy, just like Cody yes. Walker yes. Uh, recalled to the Blues. Uh-huh. Uh, as you know, Origin is massive over here. Probably 60% of New Zealanders support Queensland, 40% support the Blues. The Blues fans yes. have been texting the show saying, this is a dreadful team that's been picked. What do you make of it?
12: Oh, dreadful, strong, and I want to keep it as positive as possible. Um, I, I think rather than, you know, and I want to just support the side, right, for the Blues. Of course you do. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how I'd best describe it. Illogical. Oh, good word. So so if I look at Queensland and they had a couple of injuries, and I know it's different when you're 2-0 up in the series, right? It's completely different. So they just went, Brimson was 18th man and Corey Horsburgh was 19th man. So they got two out, in goes Brimson, in goes Horsburgh. That, mm. That's really logical. But then we look at what New South Wales have done, and I'm just trying to understand. Like Nico Hines was there previously but he's not there now. Jerome Lawyer thought has been playing well, but now he's out. So Matt Burton was there at the first two games of the series, but now he's not considered. Clint Gutherson wasn't considered earlier on, but now he's in the 17. <laughs> Scott Drinkwater's come over the top of Dylan Edwards, but Dylan Edwards has been playing well for three years. Scott for three months. Maybe that's a stretch too. I don't understand. Regan Campbell-Gillard is in, but Junior Barlow is out. Payne is injured, but Junior Barlow is out. What? I don't... So Martin should Liam Martin should have started every game, and now he's starting the last game when they're down 2-0. Illogical.
1: Yeah. The press conference will be interesting.
12: Really interesting. Oh. Really interesting. Oh. Um, and as I said, Spencer Linu, what did Stefano Utoikamanu do? Not much in 11 minutes, but that's the point. <laughs> like, just give him another opportunity. Yeah. Like all the All the learnings that he got out of the 11 minutes and the time – with the team and all that sort of stuff. Gone, start again, Spenselina.
1: There's no such word as learnings, the word is lessons.
12: Oh, sorry, have I come up with a new word?
1: Learnings is not a lesson. It is not a word, it is lessons. Lessons learned, not learnings learned. Right. Okay. Um one last thing. Oh no, we've got a bit of time. Um I'm disappointed this Wimbledon, there's no Nick Kyrgios. I love <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. Like he epitomizes the spirit of sport that Australians <laughs> just so harmoniously bring to us neutrals. Yes. Um 100% I'm, I I want a Nick Kyrgios in there, but um he's not there. Um
12: He's watchable. I'm not sure how admirable he is. Like I don't know. I don't sit there and admire Nick Kyrgios. I watch Nick Nick Kyrgios. I admire
1: his tennis talent. Yes. He, yes he's that's done, right. he's done well, some questionable yeah. things. I think he's a lot more popular around the world than what he is in Australia but and um, uh, actually here's something for you here's something yes. scoop good friend of mine is a sports psychologist he's, yes. he's working with Bernard Tomic and he said he will be top 10 in the world within 18 months there you go <laughs> he reckons he'll get his head sorted and he'll be top 10 in 18 months clip that off keep it for your Christmas tape when he gets the top okay. 10 Steffy told you
12: is he North Island South Island is cannabis legal where he's in Australia Oh, yeah, it's, there's legal imparts here too, so <laughs> it goes to explain a, a little bit of that. Now, uh, hey, hello, Jimmy Smith, says Eric. Love Dang. the show. Can you ask, what is the most popular NRL team other than the Warriors for the New Zealand people? Cheers, many thanks. That's Eric. I would say
1: it's close between Manly and Brisbane.
12: Manly and Brisbane, yeah, Manly. Um, did, you, did we see that the Manly have now restarted the pathway in Auckland Rugby League?
1: This is a disgrace. Auckland Rugby League have signed an agreement with Manly Sea Eagles to create pathways for Auckland young rugby league players for a chance at the NRL. Auckland Rugby League and the Warriors are like fighting cousins, and no one will relent. It's a disgrace. And they're in talks with three more NRL teams as well.
12: Oh, really? So it's not – It's okay, okay. Um, McHugh's saying the Queensland because they're married to cousins, but you mean that that's a different thing here, right?
1: Oh, I'm related to everyone <laughs> warring, in New Zealand.
12: <laughs> they're warring cousins. <laughs> hey, now, now we do have to go, Stan. We do, Jimmy. Good
1: on you, buddy. See you, mate. There they are. Spirit of sport, Australians. Just hit me with South straight away. We'll have a look back in the day next.
0: Here's what happened back in the day.
1: July 3, 2005, Roger Federer won his third consecutive Wimbledon title on this day. In 2007, Olingi retained the America's Cup with a thrilling photo finish over Team New Zealand, squeaking across the finish line one second ahead to take the best of 9 Series 5-2, enough about that. In 2010, Serena captured her 13th Grand Slam title when she beat Russian Vera Zvonareva 6-3-6-2 at Wimbledon. Birthdays today, Ewan Chatfield turned 73, shares a birthday with Sir Richard Hadley. He's 72. Sebastian Vettel's 36. Winston Reid is 35. Just this note from a text from Kerry. We lost a great Kiwi superbike champion in the weekend, Damon Rees, in the UK. Not in a racing incident, but a medical one. He was over there racing in the British superbikes. He's a big loss to New Zealand motorcycling. Uh, sympathies to friends and family, of course. The number one song on this day in 2001 was this. Thank you for your help today, Robbie. Remember, Mark Larkham is on the run home talking about the great win by Giz, Beef and...